Hi, I'm Anika She, and she talks crime. Hello? Let's jump straight into our imaginary scenario. You're in high school, and you worry about the same things that all teenagers worry about. What's going to happen after you graduate, finding your own identity, finding your place in this world, and all those other sorts of things. You do pretty good in school. All your other classes, you have A's and B's, and you make sure to put your best foot forward when you go to school because you want to make your parents proud. But... There's that one class, and we all know that one class, that one subject that you just weren't good at. It didn't matter how long you studied, how much homework you did, how much help you asked for, you just really couldn't get it. So the teacher tells you that they're going to end up failing you for that class. And now this class is important because you need to pass it in order to join a program that you were really excited to be a part of for the summer. So what do you do? Your future is in the hands of this one teacher. So what do you do? Do you ask for extra credit? Do you promise to take the class again next semester? Do you look for a tutor to help you? Or do you consider killing just that one teacher? That's what today's case is about. On November 2nd, 2021, Jeremy Goodall and Willard Miller beat their Spanish teacher, Nohima Graber, to death because Willard was going to fail her class. Let's get into the case. Nohima Graber was a woman who wore many hats in her lifetime. She was a mother, a teacher, a flight attendant, a pilot, a community leader, a proud Mexican, a Catholic, and overall, she was a good person. Nahima was born in Jalapa, Mexico, a cosmopolitan city filled with traditions, life, and people. After she graduated high school, she decided she wanted to be a flight attendant, so she did just that. And like many areas in her life, she always wanted the best for herself and for the people around her. So after being a flight attendant for a while, she decided, hey, I want to be a pilot. And so she did just that. She paid her way through flight school and earned her license as a commercial airline pilot, becoming one of the first women in Mexico to be licensed to fly passenger jets. She met her husband, Paul Graber, at a random party when they were kids. But Sparks didn't fly for well over a decade. Eleven years later, Paul's flight had a layover in Nohima City. And he just decided to call her up randomly. And it was really random because they hadn't spoken in a very long time. But just as fate would have it, Nohima answered. And she also had that day off. So she met up with Paul. And that was the first time they'd seen each other since they were teenagers. And they hit it off, and soon after that, they were married. They lived in Mexico City for a while, and they had two kids there before they decided they wanted a different life for their kids. They wanted to move to a place that they felt would be better, so they decided to move to Paul's hometown, Fairfield, Iowa. And after moving to Fairfield with her husband and her two sons, Nohima became well involved in the community, joining St. Mary's Catholic Church and having her third child, a daughter that she named after herself. And just like many other aspects in her life, Nohima was driven and a little unpredictable. And in her 50s, she decided she wanted to go back to school to get her degree because she wanted to be a teacher. And I respect that so much because I feel like as a society, Everybody tries to age same other people and try to tell them, oh, after a certain age, your life is over. Or some people feel uncomfortable pursuing their dreams after a certain age because they just feel too old. But that wasn't Nohima. She wanted something, so she went out and got it. 
She attended Iowa Wesleyan University and graduated with an English degree in 2006. Initially, she wanted to be an English teacher, which is why she got her degree in English. But at that time, Spanish teachers were in high demand, and Nohima obviously was fluent in Spanish, so she took that job. She ended up being a Spanish teacher for over 15 years, being beloved by the people that she worked with and her students. She worked at Fairfield High School for nine years before she was tragically killed. She was well-loved by not only her coworkers and students, but even the parents of her students. She was the kind of teacher that would smile and say hi to every student in the hallway. She would stop students and ask them about what's going on in their lives and how they were doing. She cared. One of her closest friends said that if she noticed a student was hungry or didn't have warm clothes for winter, she'd make sure that student was fed and warm, making phone calls to community members to ask for for help and connecting those in need with resources. Her overall like energy was very good. Um, I would walk past her in the halls and she would say hi to almost every single student. She stopped me, she'd talk about like life, she'd talk about uh, sports I do. Everyone liked her. Like I don't get why someone would do this because like who hates her? She's nice. Everybody knows that there's a trope that media gives to people who have died or were killed, that they were so nice and they were an angel and they light up the room. Social media jokes about it all the time. But Nohima was literally an angel. Literally every interview that I've seen people speak about her, whether it's her students, her children, her husband, everybody is so devastated because they're so shocked that anybody would do something to hurt her because she was just so kind and such a good soul. Her son even said, quote, she was an angel of a woman and one of the kindest souls. And I know a lot of people who have lost their parents and specifically their mother. And being a mother is a hard and complicated job. And as a result, usually people's relationships with their mothers are pretty complicated and that's reflected even when their mother passes so it's very rare that you hear someone say something so passionate about their mother unless it's unequivocally true her family said to know nohima was to love her she was the kind of person every community longs to have in its midst and we were blessed to have her in our lives she lived for her children her family and her faith her next priorities were her job as an educator and the children she taught, her local parish and the Spanish-speaking community of Fairfield. On November 1st, 2021, Nohima was celebrating Dia de los Muertos, which is a popular Mexican celebration that translates to the Day of the Dead. She said, quote, we know we're all going to die. It's our way of laughing at death. Nohima was killed by her two students, Jeremy and Willard, the very next day. She was 66 years old and only a few days shy of her 67th birthday. Jeremy Goodell and Willard Miller were 16 years old and in the 11th grade at Fairfield High at the time of the crime. They were friends and they were both students in Nohima's Spanish class. In court, Jeremy's father describes him as troubled but smart. He has a large family and at home was loved by his father and his older sisters, but the love from them wouldn't make up for the lack of relationship with his mother after his parents had divorced. When his parents got divorced, his mother left the house and seemingly left her relationship behind with her children as well. 
It was really hard on Jeremy, his father said, and along with that, her mother had gotten into a relationship with an abusive man, and that put a further strain on Jeremy's relationship with his mother. He didn't want to go over there because that abusive man was over there. This was very hard on Jeremy, along with his father said, COVID. COVID had a massive effect on him. He seemingly was depressed. He stayed in his room all day long with no human connection, just playing video games. His father said that he was terrified that Jeremy would take his life. Also, this isn't the kind of dad that was up on the stand making excuses for his son and trying to justify what he did. You could tell in the video of the trial that he was absolutely devastated at what his son did and he was just trying to describe all of what led up to him making such a poor decision. So is it a safe assumption that you thought Jeremy was turning a level or turning a corner with his level of maturity? I was certainly hoping so. Were you concerned about Jeremy's maturity level? Yes, I, it was very clear to me that he was probably, the, in terms of emotional and intellectual maturity, he was probably at the bottom of the curve for his age group. His father said that when he found out about the murder, the month before, Jeremy was student of the month. That is a huge jump to go from a well-rounded, well-behaved and good grade getting student to teacher killer. His father also said that he was easily manipulated, which makes sense that when Willard Miller asked his friend Jeremy to help him kill their Spanish teacher, Nohima, he just went along with it. Now, this whole thing starts with Willard. He was a smart student, getting A's and B's in all of his classes except Nohima's Spanish 3 advanced class. He was vocally very mad at her teaching style, did not like the way she taught. I guess it didn't register for him. He wasn't able to grasp the material as quickly as he did in his other classes. And this was annoying him because his grade in this Spanish class was now lowering his GPA. You could tell it bugged him because he brought it up to his friends and his family, but it wasn't until he realized that his grade in this class could jeopardize his opportunity to join a study abroad program in Spain that he was looking forward to that he brought up murdering Nohima. Now, the high school I went to also had a study abroad Spain program, and I don't know if it's the same as the one at Fairfield, but I would assume it's similar. It was ran and facilitated by the Spanish teacher of that school, and it was usually reserved for the students in that Spanish class that were doing exceptionally well and showed an interest in wanting to go to Spain. It's supposed to deepen their connection with the language by introducing them to the culture and also immersing immersing them in a Spanish-speaking place so that their Spanish could get better. So it makes sense to me that he's not doing good in the Spanish class, so he wouldn't get to go on the study abroad program to Spain. But that did not feel fair to Willard, and that's when he started to toy with the idea of killing his Spanish teacher. Because I guess somewhere in his mind, he thought if she died, that that would somehow change his grade. I don't know. And I also just feel like that is such a far jump. Like it really shows you how warped his mind has to be that a bad grade, the next step for you is, oh, I should kill the person. Like 
that doesn't even make sense. Like everybody in school has had a class, a difficult teacher, a subject that they're not good at. And, and we all have had to maybe fail a test, a class or something. And I don't know if anybody has ever jumped to be like, oh yeah, I should kill the teacher rather than asking for extra credit, maybe trying to do some volunteer work to make up for the work you missed. Or there's just so many things in between that he could have done that would have made far more sense than killing her over a grade. And it's also crazy to me that this is the motive because it's not like this was his one and only opportunity to ever go to Spain. This grade was going to ruin his life. He would never, he would have had the rest of his life to find his way to Spain at some point. Because on top of the fact, those study abroad programs are not typically free. At least in my school, I know it was over a thousand dollars. So if he would have had the money at that point, I'm sure he could have found the money next year when he graduated school to go to Spain like it that kind of response makes it seem like this was a dire life or death situation for him and it simply was not but Willard knew that he could not enact this plan by himself so he started shopping around to his friends to see which one would help him murder their Spanish teacher and guess what Jeremy took the bait now this also confuses me because Jeremy had no motive to help him kill her. He was doing good in the Spanish class. He literally only joined him to kill her just out of friendship, I guess. So for two weeks, they meticulously and carefully planned how they would kill Nohima Graber. They started by first stalking her, studying her patterns and habits. They learned her schedule, figuring out what time she would arrive at school, which one of the cars were hers when she would go to lunch. And most importantly, they learned that every day at 4 p.m., she would take a nice walk peacefully by herself at Chautauqua Park. She loved that park. Everyone knew it was her favorite, which is why she would visit it every day. On November 2nd, 2021, in the afternoon, students reported seeing Willard arguing and shouting at Nohima in her classroom when he went to discuss his poor grades with her. That same day, he waited until she left at her usual 4 p.m. time to head to the park. He and Jeremy followed her. Nohima drove her van to the park, and when she got there, she actually ran into Willard and Jeremy. And like the good person she is, you know what she did when she bumped into them? She smiled at them and said, hi, how are you? They then went to go hide behind trees and bushes, just watching where she was taking her path today. And they waited until she passed by them, and that's when they struck her. The weapon of choice was a baseball bat with flames, and as Nohima was walking past, they swung with full force at the back of her head. She immediately fell unconscious and was presumably dead, but they wanted to make sure, so they continued to bash her head in. Nohima suffered severe head trauma and had minor cuts and scratches. After viciously beating her to death, they dragged her body to a more discreet area of the park, which is where they left her. And the same witnesses who said they saw Nohima drive her van to the park saw her van leave less than an hour after she arrived, but now it had two males driving it instead of a woman. 
and the two males were Jeremy and Willard. They had stolen her van and they drove it to somewhere they thought that it wouldn't be found as quickly. They drove it to the end of a random rural road. After attempting to hide her vehicle, they didn't have any mode of transportation to get back home, so they just started to walk into town. They eventually called one of their friends to come pick them up, and that friend did come pick them up and drop them off at home, and they both went to their respective homes where they took a shower, they took a nap, they got something to eat, and they were relaxing until they were supposed to meet up later again that night at midnight to finish the job of what they started earlier in the day. They went back to Chautauqua Park and they went back to the scene of the crime. They picked up Nohima's body and they placed her in a wheelbarrow that Willard had brought from his house. They attempted to disguise the scene by wiping away any blood and picking up leaves with blood on them. They took off her turtleneck and her shirt and they tried to hide them in the trees nearby. They rolled her body quite a bit away to a nearby railroad track where they placed a tarp, then the wheelbarrow, and then a railroad tie over her body. They tried to kick the wheels off of the wheelbarrow and dent it up so that it would look like a piece of trash so nobody would come and try to look into it. After they felt they successfully covered their tracks, they both went to Jeremy's house and they got drunk. And that's how they left her. That's how they treated this 66-year-old woman. Whose mother, whose grandmother, who deserves that? Like, that is so disgusting and heartless and cold and mean. And I want to remind you that they did all of this over a grade. One singular class grade. They beat this lady to death and left her in the woods like a piece of garbage. And the other part of this that makes no sense to me is what did they think would happen? They planned to kill her for two weeks, talking about what they would do, what tools they would need, how they would go about it. And at no point did they ever question, hmm, what's going to happen after we do what we do? Like, did they not think that somebody would ever lift up this wheelbarrow at some point? Like, did they think nobody would ever come looking for her? Like, did they think she would just decompose there forever and they would never get caught? That absolutely makes no sense. I just explained to y'all how well loved Nohima was. People will always look for the people they love. So when she didn't come home that night and when she didn't report to work the next morning, Paul Graber reported her missing and the investigation ensued. They started with what they knew, and they knew she went to work the day before, and they knew she went to Chautauqua Park afterwards because she always does. So they started searching the park, and when they didn't find her vehicle, they knew that something was up. They searched for her for hours before they discovered her body, and when they did, they knew it wasn't an accident. They knew it wasn't a suicide. This was a murder, plain and simple, and they had to find the killer. And like I told you, she was a pillar in that community. So when they found out that something bad had happened to her, the community immediately started coming forward with information and tips, anything to help the police. And you know whose name kept coming up? Willard Miller. One student came forward and told the police that the week before the murder, Willard had said to him that their Spanish teacher might go missing. Another student said that after the murder, he said he, quote, caught someone with his bat. 
Remember when I said, how did they think they would never get caught? Jeremy said that they just assumed no one would ever find her. And Willard said that he never even thought of consequences. And you can tell because apparently they were bragging about the murder on social media. A classmate of theirs came forward and provided the police with screenshots and social media exchanges and posts from both Willard and Jeremy that had details about the death and disappearance of Nohima and also messages that included the motive, the plan, and the attempts to conceal the crime. I do have a few of the screenshots of the Snapchat posts that they made, and I'll put that on the screen. For my podcast listeners, I will describe to you what each picture says and looks like. The first one is a picture of either Jeremy or Willard's hand holding a Clorox bleach bottle. Um, They're standing in their socks, and the caption says, time to hide a body. The next one seems to be a picture of Jeremy and he's in a hoodie and a mask. You can only see about half of his face where his eyes are and a little bit of his bangs. And the caption says, POV, you're my Spanish teacher and this is the last thing you see. The third screenshot is either Jeremy or Willard with a black glove holding what seems to be a shovel and also holding a plastic green bag with materials in it. And the caption says, no, I'm actually ready. Here we go. The last screenshot that I have is of a red wheelbarrow that is rusted on the inside and inside of the wheelbarrow is a shovel that is also rusted, a seemingly portable lamp and also the green bag full of materials that I mentioned earlier and the caption says new wheelbarrow who is who this yeah. Literally, my jaw dropped when they showed these in the court video because It was so, those posts are so nonchalant. Like, I can't even tell if they posted them as like a way to disguise themselves even more. But that would be dumb because if you're trying to make it seem like it's a joke and your Spanish teacher actually goes missing, who do you think that they would look to after you posted that? Like, and to be honest with you, they are stupid. They are stupid, and I don't feel any shame in saying that. They are stupid for killing their teacher over a grade. They're stupid for bragging about it over social media, and they are stupid for thinking that they would ever get away with it. Like, like those social media posts are actually disgusting. Like, I'm actually disgusted. Like, they were so cocky. Like, that is, it's nasty. Like, Due to those social media posts, police were able to obtain a search warrant for their homes and their electronics, and both boys were arrested and taken in for questioning. This was the next day, by the way. When they searched their homes, they found clothes with a substance that appeared to be blood, and at Willard's house, they found the bat, but it was cleared of any DNA, like it was like wiped off. And on Willard's phone, they had found an email that had a list of items, including a baseball bat, a hammer, a knife, garden gloves, plastic gloves, trash bags, and wet wipes, which were found at the scene of the crime. They had also found that he Googled, quote, do students receive credit for class if professor is seriously injured or dies during course? 
And if that don't sound like a smoking gun to you, I don't know what is. But it did not stop Willard from letting his imagination run free in this investigation. His story changed like he changed shoes every day. First, he said he had no idea about this, don't know what happened to Miss Graber, and he don't have no involvement. Then he said he was actually at the park at the time and seen something, but he wasn't involved. Then he said he actually knew who did it. It was a group of mysterious masked kids and they forced him to use his wheelbarrow and for him to drive the van. Then he admitted to actually planning the attack on Miss Graber and said that he was going to carry it out, but he denied ever hitting her. He claimed he was more of a lookout, which is funny because even though they were partners in crime, him and Jeremy's stories never match up. They were both trying to sell each other out. Jeremy claims that he was actually the lookout and that Miller struck her with the bat first, but that they both hit her with the bat and the forensic evidence supports that they both hit her. Willard was still so mad at Nohima that even while being investigated for her murder, he used what detectives describe as a quote, coarse pejorative to refer to her, which is basically a derogatory term. She's literally dead. He killed her and while being investigated for her murder, has no fear to still degrade and disrespect her. And Jeremy wasn't too far behind with the disrespect because in the interrogation room that he was in with his sister, that they were both aware is always being recorded. They tried to have a secretive, like whispery kind of conversation, but the camera still picked it up where she was asking him, why did he do it? And he said blatantly that he has no remorse and he does not regret it. So... But that tune changed completely when they got to court and realized what they were really facing. In Iowa, there's a law that if you are convicted of murder in the first degree, you're given life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. But because they were minors at the time of the crime, they have a possibility for parole. So they were facing life in prison and they were both on a million dollar bond. So they both knew their best bet was to cooperate with police and feign some sort of remorse so that they could even get a chance at parole. So Jeremy agreed to testify against Willard in a plea deal that would give him the possibility of parole. In court, he apologized saying, quote, every day I wish I could go back and stop myself, prevent this loss and this pain I've caused everyone. And he was struggling in court. He was having a hard time. He was crying, sniffling. The tears was flowing. He was crying so hard and was so bothered that his nose actually started gushing blood for several minutes in the court and they had to pause the hearing for him. Everyone in the community and outside of it, those closest to me and those closest to the Graper family as well as the Graper family, I didn't know how taking Miss Graper's life would affect you. I can't comprehend losing a loved one in such an awful way. Sorry, I didn't stop this from happening in the first place. He apologized to the teachers and the students from his school. He apologized to Nohima's family. He apologized to the community and he apologized to his own family. The judge said that he could tell he was remorseful and didn't consider the consequences to killing, but that he is a smart person and he could have easily stopped it from happening. 
Willard also apologized in court, apologizing to Nohima's family, his own family, and Jeremy's family, actually. But the internet has criticized him for smirking um, in this apology and looking dead in the eyes. And I'll insert a clip here so you can see it. I would like to take this opportunity to wholeheartedly accept responsibility for the role that I've played in the murder of Nohima Graver. I would like to apologize for my actions, first and foremost, to the family. I'm sincerely sorry for the distress that I've caused you and the devastation I've caused your family. And from the bottom of my heart, I am uh, sorry for your loss. I'm sorry to hear about Paul Graber. It is a little weird. He does look like he's smirking and there are many people who nervous laugh and nervous smile under uncomfortable situations. I'm even one of those people, but time and place, it, it really does look like he's faking it just because of that smirk. The judge on the case said that Jeremy has a better chance at rehabilitation than Willard because of his cooperation and his sincerity. Also, remember earlier when I told you that Jeremy's dad was in court and he was very disturbed and hurt and heartbroken over the actions of his son and he didn't make any excuses for him? The story wasn't the same with Willard's parents. They seemed more upset that investigators weren't nice to them and more forthcoming and didn't do as they told them. His mother testified in court that she was given a piece of paper to sign, which was actually the paper giving permission for the police to interrogate her son, but that she wasn't wearing her proper reading glasses and that she felt pressured to sign. And so when she she asked them to stop investigating her son and interrogating him and they didn't she felt like that should be admissible in court like they shouldn't be able to use it his dad also said he felt his son was coerced and is not a violent person I want to remind you all that this is the same son that planned the murder of his Spanish teacher for two weeks over a failing grade and then recruited his friends to help him and then bashed her head in repeatedly and dumped her body in the woods and then took the murder weapon home and kept it. And there's evidence for all of that. But no, he's not violent. Also, random side tangent, his parents actually filed for divorce during the process of these whole like legal proceedings. I guess it was just too much stress on the marriage that their son killed someone. Both of the boys were charged with murder in the first degree and conspiracy to commit murder, and they both pled guilty and they were both given life in prison. Jeremy was given life in prison with eligibility for parole after 25 years, whereas Willard was given life in prison with the possibility of parole after 35 years, and he has to pay $150,000 in restitution to the Graber family. Because Willard is 17, he is currently being held in a youthful offender program until he turns 18. Then him and Jeremy will be sent to Iowa State Penitentiary. Jeremy is 18 at the moment, so he is going there first. A family member of the Grabers said that the killing devastated the family and hastened Paul Graber's death. Unfortunately, after Nohima died, the devastation and the heartbreak was too much for Paul Graber. He fell into a depression and started to delay his treatments for his cancer. He died in 2023, only a year and a few months after Nohima.
the family holds them responsible for both of their debts. After Nohima's death, the school that she worked at provided counseling for all of the students and staff. And when I looked on the website, they actually have an annual walk in her honor called Walk for Nohima. They also sell these cute pink shirts and sweaters in her name. There aren't many justifications for murder, but murder over something as stupid as a grade makes this case even more devastating and heartbreaking. Like, she was just a sweet little old lady. Like, I just, I can't even imagine what the family is going through. And I'm just so sorry. And I'm so glad that they were able to get justice for Nohima. This case actually has so much information, articles, videos, more than any case I've researched before. So I highly suggest you guys look into it yourself. There's a lot of videos on YouTube. This case has a lot of coverage, but I didn't hear much about it on social media. Once again, all of the articles and information that I use is linked in the description box. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye, guys. Hello? Hello?